So our next witness today is Mary Elena Repo. Mary Elena, can you please state your name and spell your first and last name for the record? My name is Mary Elena Repo, and it's M-A-R-J-A-L-E-E-N-A, and last name is Repo, R-E-P, like P-O, Repo. Thank you. Mary Elena Repo, in your testimony here today, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Thank you. Mary Elena, you found out very early in the pandemic that wearing a mask posed a serious risk to your health. And Excuse you me, I can barely hear you. If, if you could be a little bit louder. Okay. Uh, Mary Elena, you found out early on in the pandemic that wearing a mask posed a serious risk to your health and you were given a medical exemption by your doctor. Actually, yes, that happened. I first became aware that there was going to be, a pl there was a plan by the city to introduce masking uh, in, and, and particularly in buses because I was very concerned about that. I'm a, I travel on buses. And uh, when I found out that they were going to do that, I knew that I was going to be involved personally because of my health issues. And uh, so I uh, protested to the city. I made a presentation to the city in a hurry uh, where I documented what I knew already about the health hazards of masks. I wasn't you know, presenting anything about the effectiveness of masks or anything like that, but the health hazards that are already known because I know that I was going to be hit with it in a big way. And uh, that, uh, that presentation, it was, I did in a good faith, and I appealed to them to pay attention to all the populations that would be affected by these masks. And people with bronchial problems, that, what I have, COPD, of course, uh, people uh, uh, who had difficulties hearing, uh, anybody who was deaf would be incapacitated. And I especially spoke about children, how children's lives would be affected in, the, in a long-term long, in the long way and damaged, damaged their capacities to learn and to you know, relate and so on, all the things that happened. So I presented that in good faith and I uh, didn't get even one question and they passed uh, the masking order unanimously so that was the uh, while doing that uh, you know presentation uh, you know preparing for it i found out that they had no information they had no data they had nothing that would you know justify doing something so drastic they had no idea of a precautionary principle nobody who had prepared that material you know the go ahead uh, had had any knowledge and uh, or any, you know, it didn't introduce it as an issue, no consideration. And suddenly we were in a situation, and I was in a situation that I had to think twice before I go on a bus, uh, what to do. I couldn't wear, I couldn't wear, a, wear a mask, you know, in a long, you know, uh, uh, any kind of length, really. I knew that. And, and uh, so my, my protest hadn't worked, and I decided, okay, well, I had to make, I have to cope with this, try to do the best of it, try to avoid hospitals, try to avoid any situation where they make me uh, wear a mask, and try not to go on the bus. At that time, it was September 1st, I could still bicycle, so I could get around. 
I, and I could go to a neighborhood store that didn't have any masks. So I, I thought I, I had a certain freedoms left. And then, uh, uh, you know, the one thing that I couldn't do, my partner and I had to go shopping once in a while. And, and uh, of course, we, I couldn't go into a, a big store. He hated to go in it. Uh, he, hated, he hated shopping, too. So, but I would have to send him in. I would sit in the car, and, and, and the weather was cold. It was winter, getting to be winter. And he would go in and hate every moment of it because he would be told to move this way. You're walking the wrong way. Where's your mask? Your mask is not on right. And that was done by, by customers and staff. So consequently, our shopping trips were quite short. I couldn't, couldn't really do anything. So my life became shrank you know, just about overnight. But I, had, I thought, okay, this is kind of war, and I, I'm some kind of a soldier, <laughs> reluctant, but I'm going to kind of hang out. But I couldn't do it very long because I started to suffer from serious pain uh, towards the end of uh, October, and I thought, my, this, this is not good because I might have to go to a doctor. And I was in severe pain. I couldn't, uh, uh, I had leg pains, I had back pains, and they, you know, uh, I couldn't even sit. I was in so much pain. So I went back to my, uh, visit my, um, my uh, clinic that I had been a member there since early 80s. A very nice, uh, lovely uh, clinic, uh, the Saskatoon Community Clinic that I had really liked and supported. And I, I made an appointment to go and see a doctor there. I had just gotten a new doctor, I was told, because my previous one had uh, resigned. Uh, not resigned, but retired. And when I came to the clinic, I didn't recognize anything. It was like an alien world because it was just masked with people, masked people, and masked, masked, uh, you know, uh, patients, masked staff. Nobody. I could barely hear anybody. I still have diffi big difficulty hearing. I have a. I have a hearing aid, but it's you know top-notch hearing aid, but I can't hear people behind masks. That becomes immediate, immediately a communication problem, because I have to repeat myself. I keep asking them, "What do you say? Can you say it again?" You know, I can't hear you, and uh, uh, so that's that became the whole clinic experience was, uh, dis I mean, absolutely disastrous for me. I said I cannot possibly cope with these people because I was harassed there. You know, my mask wasn't right on. It was I was leaking air, and I was actually hanging on to air. You know, uh, every second. And, and finally, in my uh, doctor's office, just before she came, I was given a, 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 a pressure measurement by a very anxious nurse who was correcting me and pulling me and telling me to put the mask on, and. Uh, my blood pressure was 208. It went up very quickly. It didn't come down for a long time. And when my doctor came in, she saw that. And she, you know, she heard I was sweating. I was puffing. I, was th I thought I was going to fall. And uh, she said, uh, you know, said at one point, you're in a, a stroke territory. And this is what I felt, that I, I could easily die on the spot. So it became that kind of a experience for me. And uh, my, I, the new doctor that I had was conscientious and, 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 uh, and, and compassionate, and she confessed that she couldn't stand the masks herself, but 
and, and she tried to help me you get out of the place by giving me her shawl so I can, I can kind of just hide behind it so nobody would attack me, I think. And she said, the next time when you come, just come straight to my office and sit there. Of course, the next time, really, I couldn't really come. But she did send me for tests. You know, so I would go to, I now had to go to three hospitals to get tests. And they were both, uh, you know, all but uh, nightmares in terms of getting in and being uh, treated like a human being. Because already the corruption had set in and the, uh, and the, the thing that they should have gone by, which is first do no harm, had evaporated. There was no sign of it. So everywhere I felt I was being harmed personally. I was, I was attacked personally. I became an enemy in no time, you know. Uh, so it was like going to, even having the tests, but it was uh, so stressful that I stressed about it the day before. I stressed it during what happened, and I was stressed it the following day that I was, I was you know, I've been captured by the enemy aliens. And I couldn't shake them because I needed I needed those services. So uh, anyway, I, I did get my tests done, and uh, I did. In October twenty-third, I got the results. I went to City Hospital to 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 see the uh, bread uh, brain. I mean, <laughs> breast cancer doctor and uh, came to his office and he was, he sounded sad, but he had his mask on. And I asked him, whatever you're going to say to me, I want you to take the mask off because I cannot hear you. And he did take it off and he was momentarily a human being because he also felt sad for me. And, uh, And he told me that I had, my breast tumor had spread to my bones. And, uh, and I was not operable. I had stage four. And, and he comforted me, he touched me, he hugged me. He probably had to worry about somebody walking in and seeing him without the, ma without the mask. And he invited me to come back any time to talk. So, you know, he had the, he had the, what was left of the humanity. He had still had it. And um, I walked out of the city hospital, and I didn't know what to do. Where should, what should I go and cry? And I thought, I can't go on a bus. So I'm going to go to the nearby uh, coffee shop. City Perks, nice, nice place. And I could go there and get the cup of coffee, and I could have a scone and scone, and I would go in a corner and I'd cry. I went in, and before the two women who were working there, that was very early in the morning. I was the first, uh, first, uh, I was going to say the first patient, but the first customer. And uh, uh, before they said, before I said good morning or hello or something to that effect. And they said, one of them said, where's your mask? Um, I said, well, actually, I can't wear a mask. Well, where, we here, we have your mask. Didn't you see the notice outside? And uh, I, I said, I actually didn't. 
And she said, well, if, if you can't wear a mask, then you at least have to sign this. You have to sign your name and the address. And I said, well, that's not, that's not mandated yet. That's been talked about. It's not happening. She said, well, these are the, our rules. This is a private business. And this is, these are our rules. And uh, that was the end of that, except, you know, I, I left very distraught. I had, maybe I had hoped that I could tell them my story and then, and then cry somewhere. And they would comfort me. Uh, they would be human beings. I, um, I left and, and wrote a, a post on my Facebook telling about my experience. I, may, I didn't mention why I had gone there and why I wanted to cry, but I just told about the treatment and said that I felt I was bullied and, and I, I would never go to such a place. And that was, that was on the 23rd of October, 20. The next day I woke up, I had hundreds of hostile messages on my Facebook. I was f totally flooded. There were people that hated me so much. They wanted me to go into a, uh, they wanted me to get COVID and die. They wanted me to go to a hospital where they wouldn't treat me. They wanted, they just wished me that I would, I would disappear. And, uh, you know, incredible phenomenon. It turned out that, that there was a radio station in the city that had, uh, that had, uh, discovered my my posting and uh, considered it an attack you know attack on on uh, uh, the, the little cafe but more than that uh, uh, attack on on public health measures and therefore I had to be punished and this radio station which I've never heard of uh, called Bull, uh, what is it, 92.9, had decided to mobilize these people to uh, uh, go after me uh, with uh, incredible insults. Um, it, you know, it took me a while to even be able to cope. I couldn't talk to my, my family about what had happened to me health-wise because I had to basically fend off hostile elements, uh, names of people I've never heard of. They were not anybody I've ever, ever uh, you know, knew anything about. Uh, and uh, with this, um, this event, uh, at the, when I'm uh, having a kind of terminal, terminal um, prognosis, devastating prognosis, then being attacked at the same time by uh, fellow citizens I mean, they're supposed to be fellow human beings. They didn't know me, and they had decided to to, to undergo a, a full full uh, full attack on my person personhood. I had to worry about whether they would come to my house. I mean, would they come and th throw stones through my window? What else would they do? Uh, anyway, it's it's uh, the next next part of that is that I had to decide that I'm I have to do something about it. I found out that this, what this man had written on his, uh, in his, in his Facebook, and on his uh, program, he said, by mentioned my name, he had my posting there. He wrote, uh, she has also been a regular on the radio page of his station. 
before we banned her for spamming misinformation and causing a general ruckus. So what he was doing there, he was, not he was describing somebody else, and he put my name on it and attached, it, attached this description and sent it off to his fan base, who then, acted, who then decided that they had to do something. They were also told that there was going to be a protest. Also, anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers would be surrounding the cafe. And uh, therefore, everybody has to you know, get busy to do something. And everybody got busy to do something which was directed at my person. And uh, so uh, the, the only thing I could do with that after recovering from it is say, I have to get a lawyer to do something about this. I will get a lawyer. Uh, and I will, I found a lawyer who, I said, you have to clear my name. I don't know how long I live. I, I have been smeared. I, my, my name has been scandalized. I want that cleared. And, uh, and uh, he took that on. I wanted him to write a tough letter and, and uh, uh, demand that uh, Pat Dubois, who is the name of the fellow, and is a part of the uh, broadcasting family, that that he would made to uh, uh, made up accountable for his actions, and uh, 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 well, uh, the lawyer wasn't very convinced that we could get anything. I was very convinced that we would win this case, and uh, uh, and and uh, we went ahead. We went ahead, uh, you know, uh, at least the first letter, which produced results. He agreed to take off the description. But he did not uh, give an apology. I wanted a full apology. I wanted, uh, I wanted that done so that he would ha have maybe pay some compensation also for what he had done to me. And at that point, uh, you know, just when I thought that we were now moving to the next phase, which is making more demands, um, uh, my lawyer uh, quit on me without talking to me. And he said, I don't want to continue. And uh, I don't think you're going to get anywhere. Any, he basically withdrew without consulting me and saying that you, you wouldn't be able to prove anyway that you weren't that woman, you know, you, that you weren't that woman who caused the ruckus. So he, he, he basically uh, uh, ceased to be a professional lawyer. So it right in front of me. So that case was... The reason why I'm kind of bringing it up because it's been festering me ever since. I've had so many other things to deal with and confront with and take on that uh, it's festered. But I finally decided to find out if I can still put in a complaint about him. And I did find out just yesterday I can. That because you can, you can go after with a complaint about the lawyer as long as they practice. So that, that's in the works so that I at least get some satisfaction along the lines that I had planned to do some satisfaction. So that, anyway, that was a little bit long story, uh, uh, but I needed to have it out because it has been like the poison in my system that because it was, it was created by the same mentality that the clinic had and the hospitals had, that, that, uh, that you are an alien, you, are not, you don't belong to humanity, you can be abused, you can be controlled, yeah, you can be lis not listened to, not respected, uh, and and uh, etc. It, it has been the full story because the 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 other stories, uh, you know, that 
the the next uh, kind of a serious uh, humiliation that I had when I uh, after I had raised, received my um, medical exception uh, exemption I received that from the same doctor that had been very, very good good with me at the end of November I got the medical exemption and I started to use it wherever I could and it was never about 95%, 99% time it wasn't accepted. But I carried it with me on buses particularly because I went back on bus travel. And I had it and sometimes the driver would you know, ask for it or say, you know, why don't you have a mask? And I would say, I have a medical condition, I can't. And they would accept it. And so I, it was uncomfortable because there could any time be a, 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 a driver who would be gruff who would make uh, insult, insult you, uh, and and you you never knew what you would get there. Maybe a customer, uh, you know, a customer would come to you and say, "Put the mask on," or, or throw a mask at you. So you, it, it was, it was, it was ongoing, and I, you know, I knew that I wasn't alone, because luckily I connected with you know protests in the city, and I would go there, and at least we could commiserate. And, and exchange experiences, horror stories, and they were all horror similar similar things. And it affected not, every area of your life. Pardon me? It affected every area of your life. That that exemption did not protect you. It it didn't. It was it was like nothing. It I carried. I still have it somewhere here too. I also carried with me what the the public health uh, uh, regulations said that that if you have a medical condition, particular medical condition, and, and, uh, the, and you are signed in by a, a health professional, then you don't have to wear a mask. It's basically, it was there. I had both that and it, it, all of it was just swept aside uh, you know, uh, by, by people who became the judges and juries of my existence. And so, and it, it, it reached into when after after the uh, my prognosis, uh, I have to actually uh, attend the uh, cancer center here in the city. It, 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 that was a nightmare of the nightmares, because I have to now deal with mask, masked and gowned, and and gloved people, who basically only wanted to know where my mask is. Or why, you know, it, it, mask was the only topic. They, they didn't, they didn't, I didn't get the kind word there. And I, in fact, got threats. Threats like, you know, when I, when I was measured for, for radiation treatment. And, and the technician that measured me, when I said to him, I, I can't, I, I was telling them, all the professionals, I was telling them, I can't breathe. It, it makes me feel panicky. I think I might faint I, if my blood pressure goes up. And I said, I can't, I can't wear a mask to this. You know, he said, then you're not going to get radiation. And he meant it. It was, it was that kind of control. It's life and death. It, you know, it's, it could be trivial and it could be life and death. And that all had to do with the, uh, the mask becoming the king. And, and and no basis for it. No, no, absolutely no basis for making it that. And no, no. Mary Elena, we're running close to the end of our time, so I'd like to ask the commissioners if they have any questions for you. 
Thank you for your testimony. When you said you only, the, the people around you only wanted to know where your mask is, do you ever remember society, a place in society where our greeting to one another would have been, would have been honed in to just one simple question, where is your mask? Do you ever remember a time where society would be that abusive to one another? I had a hard time hearing you. I mean, it gets very blurry. Can somebody repeat that? I'd like to hear it. I don't know if I could repeat it all. You made a comment, only want to know where my mask is, that other people who were speaking to you would normally greet you and say, how are you, or good morning, or something to that effect And prior to COVID. What happened that, to our society, or maybe that's not the right question, is have you ever seen a part of society where the only thing that mattered to people around you was where is your mask? I'm still fully, I'm not aware, I mean, not quite, didn't quite completely hear you. Um, I wish I could, um, but that's almost like a, an example of my experience when people had masks. You don't have a mask, but you're at a distance there, and the, you know, the, the sound distorts. But, but the, you know, getting back just to the essence of my story is that the dehumanization, the medicine disappeared as, as, a, as a human practice, and it did it so, so quickly. And then the, the masking just became a method to you know, just punish you in every which way. It, it, it was just incredibly fast. And, I, and, and, you know, in my head, I was constantly hearing, how can this be? How can it happen? Who are these people? What, what happened to them? Did they all get processed somewhere that they came out this way, that they can't, they don't hang on to their humanity? And I'm talking now about profession, you know, health professionals. They absconded. You know, I didn't see any resistance. I didn't see the kind, didn't, they didn't have kindness. They, you're in a cancer clinic and you feel abused by everybody without accepting it because they, they, they didn't want to know you. They didn't want to know you. They wanted to know your mask. They wanted to make personal contact with your mask. And that was the horror of it. It's kind of whole total distortion very quickly of, of the whole society. And I don't see how it can get back, how, do, how these people can get back to that. How can they find their previous selves if they had them? and become human beings again and treat others with essential respect. And this is what I've, I've lost systematically, a sense of feeling that I'm respected. I'm respected because you know, any times I can, I can be questioned by total strangers and then the nameless strangers, you know, like hundreds. There was at least maybe 300 abusive emails to, to uh, orchestrated by a disc jockey who had not, nothing better to do. And he actually praised the event, you know, the, what they had done, because it, we kicked ass. Well, the only ass that they kicked was me. And, and that, and they, you know, he got away with it because my lawyer gave, gave up on, on, on his own profession. You know, it's everything is like giving up on, on uh, 
uh, humanity that we and, and knowledge that we have accumulated over a hundred years and become totally primitive people and that's you know with the mask you, you that is exactly being at that end is like you're, you're back into a primitive society and 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 uh, we still are there and it can it might be around the corner it, it you know like it's not going away because the same people who are in power they haven't been pushed away yet and they they pine for this power you know and and, and anybody actually during that period anybody people who powerless people become powerful because they can exercise power over me just like the bus driver did that banned me from a bus I was actually banned from a city of Saskatoon bus. I wouldn't open the door. Just waved, waved the mask in front of me and took off and left me. And, and I complained about it to the Human Rights Commission because it was rank discrimination. And the Human Rights Commission said basically didn't want to touch it. And complained to the ombudsman, complained about the human about the Human Rights Commission to the Ombudsman, and the Ombudsman said, well, they have their own rules. So uh, these institutions, one after another, collapsed internally and became enemies, too. And uh, you know, th so that has been our uh, kind of collective experience. And I think that I've kind of lived it. <laughs> I've lived it for, you know, uh, with others and for others, you know, Thank you for your testimony, and do know that after today, I'm quite sure there's a lot of people in Canada praying for your healing. Well, thank, thank you very much for your very touching testimony. I was wondering, how is your health right now? How is what? Your health. Um, it's not uh, very good. <laughs> um, it's... it's um, I have been able, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, the only thing I'm getting right now, I've been getting a uh, one pill a day, you know, uh, chemotherapy. And um, so I'm hoping to continue. I'm hoping that I can, I can last, you know, um, and I hope that I can see, I can live long enough. I, you know, I've lost three years now. Uh, you know, in, in in all the different things that I had wanted to be and do, and I can't get them back. But I, but I'm I'm hoping that other people can make the changes that I would have wanted to make. You know, I wasn't I, I wasn't able to because I mean we have an immense uh, thing to deal with, and my I mean. My prognosis health-wise is still the same. I'm in, inoperable. I rely on the pill. And uh, I'm, I'm just hoping and I last. Thank you very much. Take okay. care. Okay. Mary Elena, I'd like to thank you very much for your courage through the last three years, as well as your testimony here today. Welcome.